0: Welcome to episode 46 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. I'm joined once again by Darren Hill. Darren, how are you tonight?
1: I'm really good, Daz. How are you?
0: Good. No doubt you're uh, celebrating the Buck's big victory over the Spurs this morning. We're going to open the the show by talking about that for about half an hour, but then when the Spurs lost, I've decided to push it down uh, the standings a little bit in terms of when we're going to talk about it.
1: Well... That's tongue firmly planted in cheek. I honestly was more emotionally engaged in uh, OKC Portland than I was the Bucks game today, I'll be honest. We're numb. We're just numb in Bucksland. land. You know, it's a dark Twitterverse. We don't learn anything new. Yeah, they won today, but, you know.
0: It was a very nervous Bucks I mean they led yeah, them was a... 13 yeah.
1: Going to last And they They
0: looked like They had it wrapped up But you could just tell that they, As soon as the Spurs Sort of got it within 10 There was a real nervousness Around the arena And even within Their own play uh, And the Spurs Really could have uh, pulled it out in the end. Uh, they had a, a shot right to death, and uh, Dejounte De- 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 Murray put up an air ball, which Pop was uh, less than pleased about. <laughs> it's fair to say, uh, but uh, the Spurs sort of didn't deserve to win anyway. I didn't think uh, well, the way the game went.
1: Let's just say that the Bucks are not humming on all cylinders, and a game like today, you're right, nervy, uncertain. Um, it takes you know occasional individual efforts like from Bledsoe or Giannis or Middleton making, you know, sort of really great one-on-one plays. And that's the story. That's the story of the kid architected and Joe Prenti run bucks is a, um, uh, um, often ambivalent defense and often spectacular offense only when individuals are doing it. So there's just no creativity, no ball movement, no nothing. So that's why that, it's hard to celebrate anything about you know the Bucks at the moment until they pull a rabbit out of their hat and do something in the in the playoffs. But um, yeah, no, it's a W and you know, yay, moving up the standings <laughs> to try and meet Cleveland in the first round.
0: <laughs> well, the best the best moment to me was when Yarns took a three straight over time out, and it was a pretty big moment in the game. I think that they were up about eight at that stage. The Spurs were making a bit of a run, and Prunty seemed to. Actually, draw up the play for Janus and he shot it without hesitation right in Aldridge's face and, and nothing but net. So that, that was a good sign. If you can see more of those sort of signs going forward, uh, I think it obviously raises the buck ceiling the more and more you see Janus at least willing to take those outside shots and uh, hopefully hitting him with a bit more regularity.
1: True with the game, it was a 13 point lead that got cut to five very quickly in a few possessions, and then you're at the timeout. Which is a bit of a nervy timeout, and then yeah, it got pushed it back to eight, which is a lot more comfortable. So yes, Giannis is the he's the soul, um, he's the shining right, the beacon of hope in Bucksland. The next beacon of hope will be the coach. So, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, that that was actually quite. I mean, it was a it was not it wasn't a great game, was it? It wasn't a beautifully played game. Um, But I don't think other team played particularly great. LMA was having his way. That was the one weird thing from Pop, and again, obviously you've seen you, you've seen a few more Spurs games than I have this year. But I, you know, LMA was doing his thing, and he had like I don't know thirty points through three quarters, twenty eight through three three quarters something like through, that. Through, yeah. And then he sat. Like I go. Sort of, I don't know if that's part of how Pop runs his rotations, or if there's something unique for today's game. But he didn't re-enter the game till about six minutes left, and so the Bucks had built that, that sort of that twelve thirteen point lead again. And I just thought. Well, it's a shame, guess from a San Antonio point of view. I, I thought he should have played more fourth quarter minutes. So that was a weird one for me. So he came back in and had an immediate impact. And then um, we talked about this offline, but it was interesting that, um, albeit they didn't have spectacular first halves, you saw no Tony Parker, no Manu at all in the fourth quarter. They didn't play at all. It was all a bit of slow mo, a bit of dejunte and and so forth. So I did. I don't know if you, if you read. What was your take on the uh, – does LMA typically sort of rest that part of the game? And Yeah, LMA played for – For crunch time?
0: Yeah. I think LMA played 32 minutes. No one plays more than about that for the Spurs. That's that's an upper limit of what the Spurs would play night to night. I think in the regular season, playoffs, they may go up to the sort of 35 to 38-minute range. Like, Yarns played 38 minutes by contrast. So, yeah. would it have been nice to see – LMA playing over three minutes, yes, but the Spurs definitely believe in the minutes restrictions on on certain players, and they try and keep that average at the, at the top level to around thirty minutes a game. So it wasn't a surprise to me in terms right, of okay. in yeah. terms of the Parker Manu dynamic. I think Parker was just getting torched by Bledsoe whenever he was out there on defence. So at least Murray gave Bledsoe something to think about with his length on defence. He was the only one really to make any impact defensively on Bledsoe today. Actually, Bledsoe killed the Spurs. They tried a number of different players, including Paddy Mills, uh, Bryn Forbes had a go as well, and just no one could stay in front of him. So Murray probably did the best job there. And Manu was just one of them nights. He didn't have it. a few bad turnovers and just not, not quite with it. But at 40 years of age, I think they just they test Manu out. And if he doesn't have it... They're happy to sit him and, and wait for a night when he does have it because well, he's not going to bring it night night anymore
1: i don't want to rain on your you know your parade but it's uh to to obviously the bucks are 29th or 30th depending on your metric they're the, one of the worst rebounding teams in the league literally they're i think they're actually might be the worst in terms of defensive rebounding so today the bucks had 28 defensive rebounds and the Spurs had 20 offensive rebounds. <laughs> that means the Bucks barely got, you know, not even 60% of the defensive boards. I think 77% is league average. And so Paul Paul Gasol is drinking from the fountain of youth. So I got to say it's, it's something so peaceful. It's almost like watching a, you know, a, a really great master sushi chef just prepare a meal. Watching Paul Gasol work the lane, work the angles. He knows exactly like he, he's almost Rodman-like in a way where you just know that he knows where that ball is going every time the shot goes up. He knows the angles and can reach around and, you know, just kind of tip the ball or keep it alive or tap it back and just 22 points, 13 rebounds, seven of them more offensive in, in 24 ridiculously efficient minutes. So that was actually quite beautiful in a way, a bit poetic to watch Powell and Lamarcus just sort of play. You know, um, tap the balls, play volleyball to themselves, and keep it alive. But again, with the reigning on the parade is how do you get 20 offensive rebounds and still lose a game like this? They had so many extra possessions and just couldn't. I guess they just couldn't shot make well, the shot Well, they couldn't. Create. Couldn't
0: throw it in the ocean for the most part. And then you're yeah, playing like... uh, slow mo and Dejounte, who neither want to shoot yeah. outside shots, so it, it's a bit hard. Yeah. And that's the Bucks' manner from heaven in terms of what the Bucks are trying to do defensively. If you've got no yeah. shooting out there. Uh, that's, and that's where I'd like to say, John Day Murray. Look, if you're open, just take the shots. I mean, if you miss, you miss. But uh, a couple of times today, he was passing up open looks for three, and it's just like, you know, you've got to start taking that shot more and more. And, and slow-mo's the same. Slow-mo's just never seen a pass that he doesn't want to make, and yet he doesn't shoot yeah. enough. So he's a little bit like Boris Dier, and that, that, that where Boris used to um, frustrate coaches over the years. And I think Kyle Anderson's cut from the same cloth. In many ways. And and look, Murray made a few bad mistakes late, but, you know, that's that's taking his lumps. He's a second-year player. He's still quite ruined. Yeah. So that's going, yeah. to, going to be the case. Look, it's a typical Spurs got... game. Just the final point on that. From yep. the point of view of uh, the Spurs scored 15 points in the first quarter and then conceded 41 in the third quarter. So they just have not been able to put, particularly away from home, put four quarters of basketball together offensively and defensively so that was the problem I mean, there's no way you should concede 41 points including eight straight at one point to Shabazz Muhammad that just shouldn't be happening um if you want to be competitive uh, you know at the top end of the
1: NBA as, as as Danny LaRue reminded us when he was picked up by the Bucs the, the same Shabazz Muhammad, who is literally the 432nd best NBA player out of 433 <laughs> ranked eligible players in in in, in real plus-minus to this point in the season. So you're right, but the my final point, and this was my my two favorite numbers from this week: this number one and a number minus 30. Number one today was number of minutes, Davish Bertans, however you want to say it, played today. Like that that really flummoxed me. Like, he came into the game, it was in the second half, and instantly went to the bench. Now, I didn't I didn't see what he did or didn't do. Like, I think he gathered a rebound as up all he did, and you know, outlet passed, and then, bang, went right back to the bench. So I, I don't know what happened there. If someone had a shoestring or something, or if this was a pop sending a fucking message, you know, you're going to get one minute tonight. Dude could have almost, he could have missed a shower, you know, just gone right from his jersey, you know, into his, you know, into his track suit or something, whatever the Lithuanians wear in San Antonio. I don't know what they wear. Cowboy boots? Shit. But poor Davis and I had to go take a freaking shower. because Pop made him run for a minute. So that was my, 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 my weird, obscure dog days of NBA observation. Well, that's today's. called,
0: in, in San Antonio now, and I hate to bring this guy up two weeks in a row, but that's called the Matt Bonner because Pop used to do that all the time, just throw Bonner in there for one play and one play only, and then he'd be on the bench. And it'd be in the middle of a, a close game. Like, you could be in the middle of the Western Conference Finals and Matt Bonner would just come in for one play and then go and sit down again. And you think, Jesus. what the hell? What was that?
1: I'm, I think you need to write a letter and see if you can get Bonner on the show. Gonna, he's, he's well two he's, part weeks in a
0: row. he's part of the spurs he's yeah, part of the spurs commentary, too but no all um, right our, our just quickly audience
1: on... is already logged off i mean they they, they <laughs> must re, they must dread i know everyone dreads i'm like oh fuck the spurs played the bucks this week here we go here we go we just said we weren't going to spend 2 minutes talking about it here yeah here we, here we go so anyway. look uh,
0: davis is out of the rotation i don't think we'll be seeing much more of yeah. him and that, that's not necessarily a bad thing so Let's talk. The first thing we wanted to talk about was the injuries. So, because uh, we're talking off air, we're going the good, bad, and the ugly again. But the ugly is probably the best way to start. And in terms of the injuries, because they cover so many of the storylines at the moment. So we've got a couple of big injuries. Of course, uh, Steph Curry now out. He's going to be evaluated in three weeks. So he came back for the one game, Daz, and everyone thought he tweaked the ankle again, but it was actually the knee. Did you see the play where Javale McGee actually fell on him?
1: I did, you know, just you know, ju- surprise, surprise, Javale, JaVale McGee and JaVale Austin ben. Rivers, right? Yeah, just do their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think he's, you know, it was a pretty bad, pretty bad tweak. Again, it, it always sort of, again, I'm the sensitive knee guy. I always fear things could be worse than they than they actually are. But um, yeah, so a grade two MCL sprain is officially what the word is, and that's a you know that's got that's tricky. we've seen this year after I couldn't list the players, but this is something where you'll just get knee knee weakness and knee instability a little bit and you just you won't be able to jump or thrust and you won't be able to fire the calf muscles and that's something where that m c l sprain that the that, that that goes right through the middle of the medial collateral that's uh that's not the easiest thing it's gonna it's now in the hands of the gods for how much rest there's nothing you can do besides ice it and rest. and and wait and see. So that is needless to say, that is their, that's their season, right? Does anyone, would anyone argue that they could get past Houston without Steph? I mean, I think they'd be, they probably could, but I think they'd be enormous underdogs if they. Um, if they were so yeah I agree
0: a... I think they could but they're certainly underdogs do you think I mean you you might have a bit more knowledge on this was he a bit more susceptible you think to that injury coming back from a bit of a long layoff because of the ankles do you think
1: no nah, I don't think so look and I know is the short answer that's just one of those things where you get you get tweaked you get hit like that and just you know the knee is the knee is not meant to do what most NBA athletes ask it to do so um, I don't think so. I don't think it's because of the rest. It just it was a, looked like a bit of a freakish thing. And yeah. just um, <laughs> thankful to everyone. You know, the last thing we needed is another Christoph's Porzingis injury, another devastating injury to a star. So mm. um, say what you will about, you know, kind of the, the persona this team has built up. He just, thank God he didn't do something bad. So we'll see. It's, it's a bit too early. Perhaps next week we'll have a better sense. But it sounds like it could be, what are we hearing, up to – well, through the first six run. weeks. So I think it's going to be
0: closer mean? to the six weeks, to be honest. They're saying they're going to evaluate it in three weeks. I don't think they take any chances at all. And as I said last week, I think if Steph Curry comes back and he's not 100%, he becomes a bit of a liability as much as anything else. Yeah, uh, So yeah. I think they will be making sure he's 100% right. But either way, this is now going to be a guy that's played, what, not even one full game in well over two months of basketball, so you wonder what level of play he's going to be able to to uh, get to, even when he does come back. So I, I think it's very problematic for
1: Gallon State. What I will say is the risk is is if he comes back and that knee is not strong and he doesn't doesn't have that lift and the velocity off of it and the bit of the thrust, that's when you could start to get into trouble. That's when your mind is thinking about it. That's when he's going to be favoring it. That's when he's going to be. You know, you just get oversensitive to little tweaks and jumps, and I think that will—you just can't have distraction like that. Your body needs to be in, right? You know, kind of in, in tune when you're grinding out the playoffs. So that's where I would say his risk of injury would increase if he doesn't come back close to 100%. If he's 80%, and you know, you see him kind of flexing it or testing it during games, that's that would be a worry. So that's going to be a really hard thing there for the they get for them for them to manage. But um, look. So it's now in the hands of the medical staff and basically the guards to see, you know, how quickly he can heal. So a sprain is a, a sensitive thing. It's a sensitive thing. So mm. tough break, really tough break.
0: It is. looking one bit of good news uh, for the Warriors, Kevin Durant will be back this week, uh, and I think Clay Thompson's the week after that. So they should have everyone back on deck uh, soon. And I guess a little bit more positive from the just – you know, lesser positive news, but is Quinn Cook has actually been playing quite well um, with no one else there. So it's probably not as big a drop-off as maybe they feared it would have been if you're having to go with Livingston and, you know, dare I say, it, Nick Young sort of starting in the point guard. This guy actually looks like he could be halfway competent. Now, it's obviously a massive drop-off from Steph Curry, but it's it, it, it might be enough to keep them afloat. Does yeah. until he's he's able to get back certainly through the first round and maybe part of the second round of the playoffs and, and I look at a player like Quinn Cook and I think gee he he looks to me like he could fit on any number of teams in the NBA I'm not sure if that's just because he's in Golden State he looks a bit better but <laughs> uh, he has looked he has looked quite good to me and I'm interested to see how he goes because he was a two way player so they've now had to um, guarantee his contract. Uh, which I believe they've now done. So uh, he will be part of the the playoff roster there. So we'll see how that that pans out uh, going forward because he seems like he's going to be playing a lot of big games, uh, starting big games for them in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, look, I guess you you look for silver linings and you never know when Kerr might have to call on these guys in the playoffs. Um, It's just a, look, this is a, You almost, you know, any team like this with expectations what they have. He's hoping for boredom, you know, boredom at this time of the year, then maybe use the last five, ten games of the regular season to, you know, rest up and get healthy and or, you know, start playing some really killer ball. And the fact that the only teams that Golden State's beat in the last fortnight are the Hawks, Suns, and the Lakers is not a great thing. You know, losing to the Kings, losing to the Spurs in a grinding out, you know, 89-75 game, getting blown out by the Jazz. You know, today, again, they're just playing with their B team. So it's not – there's some silver linings, but I think there's more dark clouds in the horizon, to be honest. So it's um, holding yeah. their breath, holding their breath for, for Steph. And, again, who knows how – Yeah, I think a, a rib – I think Kevin's got a rib injury, doesn't he? Kind of a sore rib. But, look, you know, that's probably – unless it's right underneath a shooting arm or something, I don't know exactly what side his rib injury is at. That probably shouldn't be too much of a – well, but he, entrance, he's going to have to we'll do a see. lot of
0: heavy lifting for this team, and then you wonder how much gas is he going to have in the tank uh, come a, come a Houston series, uh, and we're obviously penciling Houston into that matchup already. Jesus, I,
1: I'm I, without Steph Curry, I I don't I don't pencil the Warriors in anywhere. Look, I think would a if they had Clay and Draymond back, you know, I think we'd still very confidently put them past who's number eight at the moment. With the Jazz. Where's my two? Uh, well Warriors in
0: the first round. Sorry, two
1: seven. Who were their two, two seven? Two seven. Well, yeah. it's
0: probably going to be the Spurs.
1: Could be Spurs or Timberwolves. Yeah. So if it's minus Kawhi minus minus Jimmy Butler question mark? Mm. You'd st- you'd still take the Warriors, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, for sure. Certainly over the Wolves. Yeah. Look. Yeah, I think the Spurs could. I think
0: they'll get to the second round, but then Portland becomes a much tougher challenge and we sort of touched on that last week for sure Uh, yeah yeah.
1: so basically what I'm saying is I'm not writing Golden State Warriors into the Western Conference finals with with a Curry out I'm not I mean just it's just they're not the same team without him so um, so this week will be telling see if Durant's back healthy Um, I think Draymond's due back as well this week so um, yeah see if they can start reassembling the the team
0: well let's uh, now the other big injury news was Kyrie Irving Uh, He's had knee surgery as well. Now, it's a minor procedure. They're saying three weeks. But again, you you wonder if that's going to push out a little bit further for them. Uh, But interestingly enough, they've stayed afloat this week, Daz. They've actually had good wins over the Blazers and OKC. Marcus Morris is having maybe the best stretch of his career in this last uh, couple of weeks while Kyrie's down. So... I think Brad Stevens wrapped up coach of the year this week uh, by just keeping him afloat. And they just they just keep throwing these guys out there. And you think, I can't understand how they're doing it. There's no Jalen Brown. Obviously, no Hayward for the entire season. Uh, no Kyrie. Uh, and uh, who was the other player? No Marcus Smart. So uh, I don't know how they're doing it. But to be... And no... Them, no sorry. Smart's,
1: out for the, smart's out for the year. Yeah, Daniel so James I don't James think we'll up.
0: see Smart. And Daniel Thies is out as well. Yeah.
1: They're, they are... They are the walking wounded, so yeah, pretty remarkable what what they've been able to do.
0: Well, to beat um, Portland in Portland, and Portland had burned on fire, so they had a bit of a mixed week. They went down to the Rockets and and the Celtics, but uh, bounced back a good win against the OKC today. Well, they,
1: again, they they flew they literally as far as you can fly, almost across country. They played at home, ground out an awesome victory against OKC at home, right where Marcus Morris hit that three, you know. I don't know if it was at the buzzer, close to the buzzer. It was at the yeah, buzzer, with a right? second left, that they yeah. scored. I think that's ten right. points it was 1. in the last... six seconds. That's right. They're getting sort of an amazing comeback. They scored like eight points in the last thirty seconds. I or turned it off.
0: Like. It was one of them games. I turned... yeah. I actually didn't turn it off. I think I went away and thought oh, I'll just make my lunch and come back and catch another game. And I walked back in and <sighs> Marcus Morris celebrating
1: the form yeah, Don't miss that. Just boneheaded OKC plays, right? Just sort of they got loose. They thought the game was over, and then wham. Yeah. So they have a, a game like that. So Boston wins that thriller, 199, and they, you know, survive a last-second heave and uh, great comeback. And the Garden's going crazy. And then you fly. You have a day's rest, and you fly across to Portland the next, not the next night, but a day's rest, right? And fly to Portland, and yeah, drilled for one of the hottest teams in the league, captured, you know, got them at home. So. It's it's phenomenal. I mean, Stevens is in that, as you're saying, just to be redundant. He's already in that conversation with the Pops, where he's instilled such a system, instilled a belief as people following and, and buying in and playing their roles, and then just this thing where he just plug and plays the guard. He's like, okay, Kyrie's out. Well, okay, there you go, Rozier. We're not going to have you know a bunch of guys cover in different ways and have a bunch of different sets. You're going to play 36 minutes a night now, and that's what Rozier has done. And even Shane Larkin's getting some long run, you know, as is, of is the backups. So, remarkable. That's remarkable coaching when you see what, what they can do. So, yeah, they had a good week. Celtics had a good week. And they've basically, you know, they're not moving anywhere in the in the seedings. But, and they probably, I think in the, the big news, right, Kyrie had that weird procedure. It's a, I think they called it like a stability wire. So, a previous injury he'd had or surgery he had in 2015 in the finals, right, the one that knocked him out of the finals, that procedure done to stabilize his knee and this this wire kind of holding it has been giving him they've determined that's the thing that's been giving him this problem so that's the results where I think he had the procedure just on just yesterday and looks like everything structurally fine and just the existence of this stability wire that was in there was giving him trouble so that should theoretically be um, a pretty pretty predictable healing path Again, the timeline's a bit unknown. They said they're going to reevaluate in three weeks, so so we'll see. So it could be could miss the first round of the playoffs, and they could be knocked out by then without him. So we'll see what happens with Boston. But just like with Curry, I think their season hinges on a bit of the gods here and how um how they're going to heal from this knee stuff.
0: Yeah, I've worried all season about this team come playoff time. I think they're they're a good regular season team, I and mean, coaching matters. Oh, I don't know if it matters more in the regular season, but certainly can push you further, I guess, in the regular season. Um, and having a system team like they are, and I've seen it for years with the Spurs, obviously, uh, where you can just have that system going and everyone knows their role, and that can prepare you to uh, some some really good vic- victories through the season. Obviously, help you to get to the sort of 50 wins that they've seen this season. So... Uh, from Brad Stephen's point of view I just think he's done a great job this year but I just wonder how much more he can get out of this team come playoff time uh, particularly when teams are able to scheme for them a little bit more uh, and understand what they're doing and you're asking guys like Terry Rozier to take big shots down the stretch in those games and Marcus Morris you know having a great couple of weeks but is he going to be able to bring in the playoffs as well so I think they need Kyrie Irving even to get through the first round to be honest Um, if you're looking at at the Bucks or a um Wizards or uh, a Heat, which is probably the three potential opponents they're looking at at the moment. So um without corey Irving it's gonna be a, a really tough series for them I would think.
1: Yeah, matchups would be one thing. So if it's the Bucks I think that's a that's a beautiful matchup for Giannis. If it's a you know if Jalen is the other question mark with these really just repercussions from this really bad concussion. That's another thing. Where the uncertain timetable. I think he's he's still out another week. I think he's kind of constantly being reevaluated. I heard there's going to be out another two weeks um, mm-hmm. earlier in the week. But um, anyway, without a Jalen Brown um, uh, kind of shadowing shadowing a Giannis and you know Morris can give it an effort, but Morris is going to be asked to do a lot more scoring. That's a great matchup for the Bucks um, if there is such a thing for Milwaukee. That's probably the one. You know, Giannis likes dunking on Bane's face, so that's that's pretty exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, Aaron
1: Baines won't be so excited about that matchup.
0: No, is Baines Baines probably the likes... one not
1: not uh, too keen. But was... that's a that's if you're a Celtics fan, that's a that's a matchup you don't want to see in the first round. You'd love to see a, you know, if you could find a Pacers or a Heat or something like that. But you don't you don't want to see the Bucks or the Wizards. I think you don't want to see the Wizards again in the first round. A, a you know a revengeful, vengeful Wizards team. I don't think that's a
0: great matchup for them either. No, well, speaking of the Wizards, John Wall should be back this week as well. So he's in five-on-five uh, five drills, the last I read about him. so uh, And they've lost three straight now, the Wizards. So I guess they've stretched the, the non-John Wall basketball as far as they can. They've had a couple of really bad losses, lost to the Knicks of all terms today. Uh, and I watched the end of that game, and uh, they didn't, didn't look that... Uh, well, they just didn't look that organised to me in trying to get some. Their, their late game play has been terrible all year, but it was particularly bad again today. Uh, they, to drop a game to the Knicks at this stage of the season is unforgivable, really. Uh, so they need John Wall back. I think that that was always clear anyway. But it's just we did wonder, didn't we, how much of a difference John Wall's going to make? I think we're about to find out, and hopefully, for Wizards, at least it will be in the positive. Uh, When he comes back this week Another guy that did return this week, Daz And had a big positive impact was Kevin Love uh, And the Cavs And the Cavs um, had a good win at home over the Raptors And they've gone on a bit of a win streak themselves And then they're looking like uh, they're pretty much locked up Well, they're, they're two games ahead in the three spot, So they're looking more and more likely That they will be the three seed uh, with not the most, not the most difficult schedule in the league. Have you seen much of the Cavs Kev since uh, Kevin Love's return?
1: Yeah, Love's first game back was against the Bucs. I mean, it was a um, it was a whooping. It was only a seven point game, but they were they looked a bit like last year's team, where that ball was moving and LeBron was LeBron was locked in. Like I think that he used Love's return as a it just changed the way LeBron played. He was just so. Not change the way he played. He was more locked in than usual. Let's just put it that way. Every possession, he was looking for the kill. So I think he went for 40 what did he do against that Bucks game forty, forty, twelve and ten. Right? You know, mm-hmm. he, um, he just went crazy. Um, and Love was really, really efficient. And you know, I don't love, lo- I don't love how he does so much standing in the corner. I don't. You know, I've picked on that sort of aspect about him all. I guess for a few years now, I don't love that he does it, but he, he does it well and he does it willingly. And he seems to know how to pick his battles to attack the rim and go crash the boards. And he's, you know, with, um, you know, when he needs to, but he's changed that team. He's changed the trajectory and he's changed the ceiling, obviously. So I think a sigh of relief a little bit for Cavs fans to say, you know what, this team probably bereft of hope in the last few weeks um now have hope again so if george hill gets healthy if love can can keep keep the style of play they're gonna play they're gonna force you to play track meets and again that's where you start to go how do you bet against lebron you know in a track meet
0: well and the, say so, with, with the raptors game it's interesting you mentioned george hill and kevin love because george hill went 10 for 11 from the field uh His best game in the Cavs uniform Maybe his best game uh, for a couple of seasons To be honest uh, In a pretty big matchup Regular season matchup at least for the Cavs And then you had uh, Kevin Love hit the big three At the end of the game Because Raptors got out to a big lead this one They're up by 15 at half time And uh, it looked like men against boys At times The Cavs just were atrocious on defence And not in their shots and they came in the second half they certainly played a bit better in Tor- defense second half Toronto
1: had Toronto had so the so the Cavs and the Cavs they played the Bucks then two nights later they played the Raptors right they gave up 79 points in the first half to mm. the Raptors it was 79-64 at halftime shocking and <laughs> literally ole matador defense for the whole half and then Yeah. And And actually did
0: a good job. I think they kept them to 121 in the end. Am I getting that right? 129, yeah. So, 79
1: in the first half and a respectable 50 in the
0: second half. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, and look, the Raptors, I didn't think they played, obviously, as well in the second half. Although they went away from what they were doing a little bit in the first half. But Cleveland certainly played better on the defensive end. They couldn't really have played worse than what we saw from them in the first half. But... Uh, when they're making their shots, when they're hitting those those threes, and LeBron's got the ball whipping around, um, it is a very tough matchup. And of course, well, the biggest problem yeah. they had was trying to get someone to defend LeBron, uh, because Ananobi sort of played bits and pieces, uh, Siakam was mainly the main guy defending him down the stretch, and and he actually did as well as you could expect. But uh, it's just a bad matchup.
1: If this is a harbinger, I don't know if it if it is, but it was an interesting to see in that game that the you know Casey went with his bench unit, right? He went ten deep. I know we're not in the playoffs, but he went with ten ten deep, and he played. You know, uh, Ibaka barely played. You know, an- Ananobi. So Ibaka, Ananobi, and Valanchunas all started. None of them played more than twenty three minutes. You know, Pirtle was really efficient. Pirtle was killing cleveland on the glass he had seven offensive boards in that game vlan he's vlan van oh. <laughs> just say v, vv vv the vv right was was spectacular he had 16 points in 29 minutes and it's not like the that's the thing i go yeah they had an unbelievable home run, harlem globetrotters like first half but even the Raptors were still pretty efficient. They only had six turnovers the entire game, Daz. They shot 44% from three. They shot 54% from the field for the game. They only missed three free throws. They had 32 assists. So As you look at the Raptors' box score. They went 10 deep comfortably, and, and still Cleveland outraced them in the second half. And I go, it's one game, and it's not a very meaningful regular season game, but it's meaningful to Cleveland now. Every game is, has super meaning for LeBron. Like, he was breathing fire against Milwaukee, happy to have his guy back. And then this awesome comeback against, you know, from their perspective, a great comeback against a full-strength, super-efficient Toronto team. It's got to boost them. It has to. That game was a confidence booster um, for that for that squad. They played without Rodney Hood that day. So believe it or not, that Jose Calderon played 27 freaking minutes, right? Zizic played 16, right? Some kid called Jay Holland, <laughs> you know? He played. You well, know, the funny of... thing
0: is the Cavs have played their best basketball with Calderon on the court this year. Um, it's Because that 16-game win uh, streak, 16 yeah. game win streak earlier in the year, he was starting point guard. And I noticed it again the other day, and I thought, he just fits with this team for whatever reason. He just knows his role. He doesn't step out of his lane. And, and I think that's what they need sometimes. You don't need the JR Smiths out there you know, saying to everyone, I've got this, and tuning their step-back threes. Uh, you just know the guy that's going to stay in his lane and, and let LeBron do his thing. So I think the, it's an interesting question too because I'm looking at the Raptors. They didn't have a great week. Like they blown out by OKC at home. They squeaked out a win over the Nets. They had lost today to the Clippers who have had a bit of a mixed week themselves but played well today. So they've lost three of the, oh, sorry three of their last five and they've beaten Orlando and the Nets and both of those were reasonably close games. It's an interesting question and I'll put it to you what your thoughts would be is it better that, because the Raptors are really in the one suit at the moment, they've got nothing to play for, they can sort of coast in to the playoffs to some degree and maybe Casey can experiment with some lineups would you rather be in that position where you're not really got anything to play for or as a preparation for the playoffs or would you like to be like Cleveland where you feel like they are playing for seeding and they are sort of striving to get somewhere and is that better momentum and better form to take into the playoffs
1: Oh I get it. i think for for where Toronto is at, the the most important thing is that they're healthy, right? So I'd say almost irrespective of how they're playing, all their guys are healthy. Right? Cleveland's been banged up. Right? Nance has been out and sick and Jeff Green and a hood and you know, Kevin Love's been out for six weeks. So a team like Cleveland who's had guys in and out and health problems, if you're Cleveland you have to be hitting you, you want to be winning these games, and LeBron knows it. That's why he's playing literally MVP, like unquestionable MVP level for the last six games. He's we would we would even breathe a word of James Harden if LeBron ke- keeps had kept this up for you know say the twenty games prior to it. He's been by far the best player in the NBA the last five games, not even close. Hmm. So the way they're playing, right? You need that from Cleveland's perspective. You don't want them to be sort of just with all these young guys and new parts. So I, I'm going to cop-out answer and sort of say it's probably both for both. Toronto knows what this bench is. The bench knows how to perform. DeRozan's changed his style. He and, he and Lowry have been around forever. You know, Big V knows how to sort of adapt his game for the matchups when he gets his his name goes They kind of know. They've got muscle memory here for how they play. So I guess the, the cop-out is, is probably working – well, for both those teams, the big question, right, for Toronto is that um, is right, with their with their uh, infamous history with game ones and starting series and the what happened last year when they got punched in the mouth by the Bucks is that you know that is confidence. Will they be able to turn this on, uh, whatever you however you define turn it on, you know, in the playoffs? So that's, I guess, the only little. I guess where you start thinking about Toronto's is, is maybe you want to see these guys, you know, winning by 20 points leading up to the preseason at the sort of the postseason. But um, that'd be the only way I'd say to almost answer it in the definitive. You, you kind of want to be playing on all cylinders and going for it and playing heavy minutes. But I still think that uh, I'll stick with my original answer that they're healthy, that they've got 10 guys they can re- rely on is, is the most important thing for them.
0: Yeah. I think oh, you're right. I mean, I, the worry I have is: Are they already starting to think about the playoffs, and is that affecting their play? Um, I'm just not sure. I just, I've got no confidence in this team, having seen them so many times blow it in the playoffs. So I, I guess it's just, it's one of those things. Until the playoffs start, until we see them in the playoffs, I don't think
1: anyone's going to believe it. Yeah, look, I've, I've been. They've just been so consistent all year, and they're healthy. And look, they played really well against in Cleveland. Right, it's not like they choked that game away. They had a, bit, they had a pretty big lead, but you know, six turnovers for the whole game, which perhaps says more about Cleveland's defense. But you know, I don't think they're feeling. You're not know, hanging their heads for losing by three to the best player in the history of the league, minus maybe Jordan. And then a Clippers team, who you don't want to admit it, Daz, but I've been watching them a lot. I've told you I like how the Clippers are playing, and it's just a shame that they've had a, such a hard schedule. Like this team almost deserves to be in the playoffs, the way I've seen them play and the way Doc's got them, got them playing. So you know, look, Toronto got they ran into a buzzsaw. You know, the Clippers got really hot in that second half, and and you know, they just they lost a they lost an NBA game to a really worthy opponent. Yeah, um, look, the Clippers
0: are just at the moment they're just relentless. They just keep coming at you. They like, are. They don't. Yeah. They don't have bad. That, that, you know, we we talked about the, that Bucks Spurs game, and it just sort of was in fits and starts. I think both teams were, whereas the Clippers yeah. aren't in fits and starts. They just come at you right from the start. And I have watched them a couple of times last week. I saw DeAndre Jordan absolutely destroy the Bucks um, earlier in the week, and uh, he was pretty good again today. And, and when when the Raptors have a center that can take Valanciunas out to the to an, to the extent that he did, uh, Valanciunas still had sixteen points. I think in this one, so it wasn't a complete failure from him or anything like that, but if, if they can control the rebounds and do what they were doing on the boards today, um, they're very tough to beat. And obviously, Lou Williams had a big game today as well, which helped matters. Uh, and, and you know, just try and not have Austin Rivers taking too many big shots down the stretch, which I think that's what happened in the Indiana game. Uh, Austin Rivers sort of was asked to do a little bit too much, and Indiana ended up finishing up. off. So a bit of a mixed week for the for the Clippers because they had that ch- opportunity in that Indiana game. Um, to to finish them off in Indiana, does they just keep finding ways to win? They did it again today, themselves. I know no one sort of fears them in the playoffs, but by hook or by crook, they just keep winning these games. And, and today it was Miami, but the other day it was, it was the Clippers.
1: Well, there's an asterisk by it, right? So I watched the second half of today's game. Sorry, just one last thing before before I run off the Clippers again. You, one just one sort of as we're in the dog days of, of, of the NBA and things that I enjoy watching are players like uh, Montrez Harrell who has just taken his opportunity and he's made the most of it. So today he's been he's got that sort of Kenneth Fareed style, right? He can't make a basket outside of, you know, twelve feet. But he, he was a beast today. He was nine for twelve from the field, six rebounds, so nineteen points and six rebounds in nineteen minutes you know, in Toronto. He just, he was just a beast inside. And you just sort of love to have that sort of contrasting style, right? It's the kind of the antithesis of the way today's NBA game is going. But the guy just couldn't miss, and he was just everywhere. And he's got such an imposing, that sort of 6'9", 245-pound frame. You can see that he's grown into his body now. And, you know, him with the, you know, the chucker, Lou Williams, who's just fearless and, you know, unconscious from everywhere um so anyway shout out to montrez well that's when i say
0: they're relentless there's no more relentless player than arrow because he's like the energizer bunny he just it's like doc rivers winds him up and just throws him out there and he's just constant move you know he's got like 23 percent usage when he's out there which for for a big guy like is pretty good Yeah. good.
1: Yeah. yeah he's like who we wanted thon maker to be you know I granted, got not more of an outside game, but it's style, that high frenetic kind of energy. And then you got Lou Williams, who's just that frenetic, right, that quick trigger. And then you've got, you know, Tobias, who will shoot from anywhere. And DeAndre is a bit of a beast. And Teodosic has got this nice, he's almost like the counterbalance. He kind of walks everywhere on the court. I don't think Theodosic knows how to run, <laughs> you know, bless him. He's the most strangely slow-footed player, but. This has this nice command so anyway another shout out to the Clippers I hope they I hope they sneak in some way somehow the last 10 games here because they they deserve they deserve a run in the playoffs I think they just just they're going for it and again unsung coach of the year candidate definitely not going to be top three but Doc Rivers deserves a shout out for how he's you know how he's got this team playing and it reminds us what upgrade great coach doc rivers can be and could be um strip him of his gm titles and mm. get him focused with a bunch of guys and rallying around and we've heard for you know for almost decades now he's a quintessential players coach but that's not a soft mm. label for in the nba that means they these guys as they say will run through a wall for doc rivers so so sorry mad shout out to the clips um i just love how i've seen them play um and then in a lot of days, you know, the league passes a bit dark now, right, Daz? With so many, so many tank tankathon versus tankathon games, or even, you know, sort of rock fights like we saw with um, San Antonio and the Bucks today. So, do yourself a favor if you get to watch a Clippers game this week, give it a give it a give it a try. So, anyway,
0: and we are talking about the, Indiana. That was that's what I game oh, I did Pacers. watch. So the Pacers uh, beat the the Clippers in a game. As I said, the Clippers sort of. So it would seem to be one of those games. Of the clip, and, and I've seen, I've seen this literally, I reckon, ten times this year, where you just think one team's got it in control, and the, then you look up at full time and the paces have one by three, and you just think, how did they win that game again? Like, what did they? Yeah. do? And there was a guy actually. There's a good podcast that Zach Lowe did uh, last week where he spoke to a guy. The guy's name escapes me. Uh, but he followed the paces around. He said, "I can't even put my finger on what they're doing that's making this success. But they're just winning games. It's been phenomenal."
1: It's the guy from Five Thirty Eight. Yeah, that's right. Even so, the data, the data guy, the stats guy, couldn't put his finger on it. That's right. <laughs> Look, I can't either, Daz. I don't know. Just the you know Oladipo was four for sixteen in that game against the Clippers, right? And so it happened that Bogdanovich couldn't miss. He was twelve for eighteen. You know, went for 28 points, and of course, Lance Stevenson caught fire for his 17 minutes. You know, he just he lights the building on fire every time he comes in a game. So they just somehow won that game. And then today, though, Daz, they had eight turnovers in the fourth quarter. Eight in a quarter. And um, I know if, if you're an analytics head, that would be on pace for 32 turnovers for the game. That's really bad. And they still... The Heat just couldn't put the lotion in the basket. The Heat had this game, but that was a. This was the lowest IQ I could have seen in Indiana. They had four shots. They had um, Trevor Booker shooting 20 footers. They had Oladipo dribbling off office foot. They had Corey Joseph, you know. Uh, sorry, not Joseph. Um, is it Corey Joseph? Corey Joseph. Yeah, had, yeah, Joseph. Um, yeah, chucking, you know, an early shot clock when they're trying to. Get a smart play. It was just a brutal twenty-two to fourteen. The Heat outscored them in the fourth, and it's a miracle Indiana scored fourteen points Des, to send this to overtime. But it was m- maybe the ugliest fourth quarter, next to that Denver quarter against OKC. A couple I of months wonder ago. if
0: uh, in that podcast so, they said since starting the season is one of the fastest paces in the league, they've been the slowest pace in the league since January first. And I just wonder watching him recently whether Oladipo is deliberately trying to speed the game up and speed the team up because he looks like he's playing on fast forward and he's just forcing everything. And that's where his shot's gone off, he's turning the ball over. As I said, somehow they're still winning. By hook or by crook, they're still getting it done. But he, his game isn't certainly not been as good in the past uh, probably month, I'd say, now. And I just wonder if, if he's trying to force the pace a bit more and find that mojo that they had earlier in the season where they were playing much better basketball.
1: Look, there's no secret he's got a bit of Westbrook to him, right? That's the other thing I see is that it's his team now. He knows it's his team. The arena knows it's his team. And, and that's lending itself to a little more hero ball. Right, so there are days when he will single-handedly bring the team back, but then there are games like today where he was just putrid, terrible decision making, terrible shot selection, terrible forcing stuff. Just not waiting for teammates to catch up to him on a break, and you know, going one on three into something and trying to make a miracle pass, you know, out to a perimeter and throwing it away. It's just it's just forcing it and, that, and not in the good. T- not a good sense of the term forcing the issue he's just forcing things that aren't there kind of you know the, the the shorthand is low iq play so look that's not a team that's still i'm trusting my eye test right kind of with a the five they're not a team that anyone really is afraid of in seven games he i don't know how you could um and less so when old depot's had a spectacular season and just hope he's not turning into a a rust rest book you know in a way but Look, the, the most depressing thing is Miles Turner, Daz. I mean, he played 32 minutes today and it was one for eight from the field, shooting tentative, you know, 18 footers off his back feet. Um, he committing fouls out of position. He's turning the ball over. He just hesitant. Um, just hesitant in everything, in every in every sense of the word. Seven seven invisible points in 32 minutes. So I you know we bag out a lot about. Um, you know Andrew Wiggins in and this invisibility, Miles Turner for me might be winning, you know, Invisible Man of the Year award. And look, well, he's I only twenty. The, yeah, the old...
0: leap's not going. That hasn't happened yet, and you wonder if it is going to happen for Miles Turner.
1: He's played a lot of basketball, right? This is year three for him, right? And he's he's absolutely regressed. And how much is that as a you know uh, a, you know a depot factor? And then he's playing differently and receiving the ball differently in different spots on the floor. I don't know it could be some of that but my again eye test sort of says he's just he's hesitant he's in his head he's just doesn't seem like he's added anything to his game since he was a rookie so mm. if, I'm a, if I'm a if I'm a Pacers fan yep I'm ecstatic about what what Oladipo and to a lesser extent Sabonis has brought this year they're a lot of fun but Hey, he's been—he's regressed. He's definitely regressed. So oh, he, was, I think he was terrible today. It was a terrible matchup for him. Right?
0: Yeah. Definitely some negatives. I mean, TJ Leaf's I've given them nothing, so that's a whiff in the draft when there was still some decent players available. Like you'd love to see O'J and the on this team, and I'm sure there's others. Um, yeah. In that draft that could have fit in, uh, and, and obviously Miles Turner just has not taken the step that they would have hoped he would have taken. This year, I even heard of a guy that drafted him in an NBA fantasy draft ahead of Blake Griffin this year, so that's how high some people had him ranked as. Uh, but the one guy I give a shout out to is uh, Darren Collison, who bailed the, the paces out today. He's leading the league in three point percentage now, and he has just had a magnificent
1: season. Uh, Darren Collison, mm. colon, NBA player. He's just an NBA player, mm. he belongs. Yeah, he absolutely belongs. Knows his role, plays his role, plays 30 minutes a night. Um, pretty high IQ. And, yeah, who would have thought, right? You would won a fortune if you'd been put on, you know, the who's going to win the three-point percentage. You know, it's going to be the highest three-point percentage in the league. this year. Is, he, is it really Collison? Is he Does he, also, he qualify? Yeah. Oh, shit. I knew it was above 40, but, Jesus, 45.7%. I shouldn't that shot. He's, 30, he's actually 39% for this career, so that's not that's, – that's not, you know, well, imagine
0: as yeah. how much better the Denver Nuggets would be if Darren Collison was their point guard.
1: Imagine if they had Jameer fucking Nelson as their <laughs> point guard, right? So, honestly, look. it all def- so if you want to kind of switch a route to Denver, but yeah, look, Darren Collison's has played; he's played solid, and it's just a shame that that Miles Turner hasn't. That's a that's a worry for them because they're going to have some decisions to make, you know, next year with rookie extension contracts and all the rest of it. So, um. So we'll see. No well, no one's really worried about the Paris Pacers in the regular season. And they did the Bucks a favour today by beating the Heat, I guess, in, in many regards. So uh, this
0: is the last thing, I, I guess, on the Eastern Conference before we look over to the West. So we've got uh, Toronto, obviously, in the one. Celtics in the two. Cleveland look like they're going to be the three seed now. It looks like Philly are going to be the four seed uh Philly have a pretty powder puff schedule still to finish the season. And I guess I mean it's a pretty it's a pretty good season still. I know Brett Brown, there's just something about the the Sixers that you think, oh, I'm just not hundred percent confident him. I love Brett Brown, obviously, you know, the Australian connection, etc But uh he, I guess you've got to give some credit to to the guy for um, getting them up a hell of a lot higher than what anyone thought they were going to be, and they look like a scary team at the moment. lot like the length they have on defense is just worrying everyone, and uh, they're the team that uh, all the sort of NBA insiders are saying no one wants to meet uh, in in any in the first round of the playoffs or any other time of the playoffs. So if they finish in the fourth seed. And it's uh, Indiana in the fifth seed, which looking like it could happen. Um, you, you favor Philadelphia in that matchup, and that could be a very difficult one for Toronto in the second round.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't buy it. I've seen a lot of the Sixers this year. They're super, super young. They play super sloppy. Turnovers all over the place. Embiid is a bit of a front runner. You've heard me say it a hundred times. It's a shame that Ben Simmons' personality hasn't taken over. I think this t- this particular 2018 Sixers team is a uh, erratic, and they'll win a game or two, and almost no matter who they play in the playoffs. But I give them almost no chance. Is there going to be out. a
0: matter though where they're so young they don't realise how big the occasion is, and they just go out and play balls to the wall, and it's just going to be we're we're not going to be afraid at the moment because we we saw sort the. Of, you yeah, you see that occasion with young guys that come out in the playoffs off the bench. You think, wow, where'd this guy come from? I, I get a feeling this whole team may play like that in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they could. And they'll turn the ball over 28 times <laughs> and not box out and shoot, you know, ill-fated three-pointers and give Dario Saric the ball to do playmaking while Joel Embiid stands in the corner waiting for a three and, and Ben Simmons clogs the lane because no one's defending him. So I could just... It, they fail every eye test. So I go, yep, love Ben Simmons, love, love where his trajectory is. It's an awesome miracle for everyone involved that Joel Embiid's going to play like almost, he might play 70 games this year. So that's an enormous win, and his ceiling is so high. He's, he's, a, he's a spectacular talent, but this is not a team. They, they don't act like a team. They don't play like a team. When They've needed Bellinelli and Ilyasova, literally needed them, to stabilize this this team and stabilize a second unit and bring some predictability to it. And I go, that's there's still probably two more veterans short of of having a team that can compete in the playoffs. So yeah, look, this, you know, they they have to play the games in their schedule. It's f- whatever, fortunate or unfortunate, they're gonna win all these games at the end of the year against the Nets, the Hornets, the Grizzly, the Magic, the Knicks, and so forth. They lost to the Heat, they lost at the Pacers, they lost to the Bucks. So the three three teams in the playoffs they've played the last two and a half weeks they've lost them all the the seven garbage team they've played they've beat them all so i'm like yeah you know okay yeah you beat the hornets by 14 you beat the nets by four good on you so i i don't i'm i'm happy for philly fans you've got a team that to, to barrack for and to support but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a playoff team that's not they'll get they will get to get blitz in the playoffs
0: well who do you Sorry. have if it is them in Indiana early days and I know but who would you have
1: Is it the 4-5? That
0: if that, yeah, if that was the 4-5 it is at the moment.
1: Yeah, I'd actually pick Indiana. For sure. <laughs> for sure.
0: No, I think I think you Philadelphia would... is going to be rocking their first two games. I I, I like give me Philly. Give me Philly against Indiana. I don't think they Look, that'll be that will be
1: fun. Yeah, I think they that's pretty close Look, there they are two and a half games clear of the Wizards who've lost three in a row. And as we've said, that's going to be, that's probably going to be our most interesting storyline next week. Let's make sure we we will get that if wall comes back and plays a couple, two or three games next week, we're going to see just how the, you know, uh, look, the, the joy has worn off. They've lost three in a row, but it looks like um, Philly and Indiana is probably locked into four or five. I well, Indiana got in a
0: pretty tough schedule. That's the only thing to watch there. So they could drop a few more games uh, as the season goes on. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that's going to be the four or five. Look, this is a big
1: gap. I mean, to make up two and a half games and nine games, and Wizards don't have. They got a, They don't. Have, they got a half and half schedule. Wizards got San Antonio at Detroit, Charlotte at Chicago, at Houston, at Cleveland, Atlanta, Boston at Orlando. So. That sounds like about a five hundred type schedule if you ask me, so I just don't see how washington's going to go, you know say seven and two, you know it means they have to beat Cleveland and Boston, you know and San Antonio to kind of go like seven and two if they say to lose to Houston and Cleveland. I just don't see that whilst whilst Indiana goes you know four and I guess four and five it would be so possible, okay. but I just I think they're pretty safe they're four or five and, and- so for all the all the all the pacer non ceiling. You know, the low ceiling bashing they have, they just they play more like a team. And I, I think they'll, I think they'd a team like that give Philadelphia fits. Um,
0: well, probably, we'll see, hopefully we can argue we'll about that uh, prior to the round one because I think it would be a fun series, too. I'd like to see that, that series.
1: That would be a fun, that would be a fun series. Yeah.
0: Uh, and the and finally the Bucks their pick watch continues because uh, they need to get that six seed as to hold on to their number one pick. Um, and you posed a question to me today, so I'll put it to you now: the would you prefer to see the Bucks stay in seven, lose their pick and play a hobbled Celtics in the first round, or keep their pick, move up to the six, and get smoked by the Cavs?
1: Yeah, look, so the only asterisk is that it's they don't have to move the sixth seed per se, but they so for example if the It guys in the nug- winning
0: records between yeah, the, so the rest, Yeah, so
1: they said they're saying that's right. So the Nuggets and the Clippers, so they're actually competing against four for the draft ranking So um, they could still finish seventh and if the Nuggets and Clippers, for example, fall off, they could keep their pick. But if the question was the question's in essence, would you rather have the Bucks advance to the second round and forfeit their pick? And so to get the the playoff experience, get the you know the the fan base um, energized through a, a series victory for the first time since Ray Allen was on the team, to have um, Giannis lead a team to a seven you know best of seven series win and all that comes with that, um, and the development of the team and that just that experience to go through that process, or get a first round pick which would be I guess about number seventeen. So um, just to recap, the Bucks will send their pick to Phoenix if it falls between 11 and 16. Really interesting cap protection. So, yeah, look, I the the way to answer that question for me was if the Bucks had their real coach, I would then say that playoff the playoff experience and the playoff series victory and what that means for the franchise and for the players is almost as valuable as as a number 17 pick in the draft. I mean, that playoff experience we've heard we've said it before is, is invaluable. So we saw right. You, you called it today. You called the bucks nervy, right? They were a bit, they were a bit skittish in the finals. They, they, they're not great at winning. They don't know how to win close games against really fucking smart teams. Um, and so that, that's not an easy one, but because it's prunty, because he's a lame duck and because we've not seen anything in terms of X's and O's or scheme or offense develop, you know, I think if they were to win a playoff series, it's only going to be because of spectacular individual effort, which means probably Giannis or Middleton have gone crazy or both of them gone crazy for, you know, for four games to, to win it. So that's a long way of saying I'd probably take the draft pick because Prumty's our coach. If we had a real coach, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably pick the playoff victory and let the, let the number one pick go because, you know what, we've got a team who can make the Eastern Conference Finals. That's how I'd be looking at the season. If the Bucks get swept again or be eliminated really quickly this year, and and they get a draft pick, what do we got? We've we've treaded water. We've gone treaded water or gone backwards, whilst adding, you know, a you know top fifty, top sixty player in the league in Eric Bledsoe. That's a that's an abject failure, and um, so that's why I think the measuring of the playoff progress is in many ways as important as you know future assets.
0: How much was uh, Tony Bennett's stock uh, hurt by the? the 1-16 upset?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I was probably, I didn't think hurt very much. I thought that the story was going to be all about the 16th seed. But you're right, it seems like the whole national conversation was around, you know, just Tony Bennett but I, and just his inability to, you know, kind of X's and O's and scheme offensives. But I think that's just a symptom of the nature of the world we live in where we have extreme hyperbolic overreaction theater to um, extremely small um, sample sets and data points. So extraordinary recency bias and extraordinary irrational um, conclusions and hypotheses and things being posted around one single game. And so the fact that Tony Bennett was able to take, you know, like, an, like the 78th best recruiting class and win the ACC outright, win the ACC tournament... Um, get the overall number one seed and win 32 or 33 games, whatever it was, in the hardest conference in the league is that means a lot more to me than it does the I guess the the, the miracle not the miracle they lost by 20 <laughs> than than that one game, but it suffices to say a lot of people are talking about it as a as a a, a, a warning sign about his you know NBA readiness and his offensive nows in particular. Like they only put up 54 points in that game, so hmm. yeah. Not for me, but I think the national audience, yes. I
0: think you're right. I guess that's a storyline to watch and uh, maybe we'll see if he he makes a further run next year, whether the NBA buzz comes back, assuming that that it has hurt him uh, to that extent. Let's move over to the West now, Daz, and um, not a lot has changed in terms of the standings there, but we had three of the best games of the season uh, in the past week. We had Rockets, and uh, Portland, Rockets went into Portland Won that amazing performance by James Harden Late, uh, obviously helped by the fact That J and Dame couldn't throw it in the ocean All night there And I want to talk a little bit about that game Spurs-Jazz I don't want to talk too much about that Other than to say if you get a chance to watch the highlights It, it was an amazing game Donovan Mitchell was just ridiculous He took 32 shots uh, But just as fearless a performance From a rookie as you've ever seen And, and Lamarcus Aldridge had a uh, career-high 45 points against uh, the best defensive centre in the NBA, so it was a couple of unbelievable performances there and a great finish. The Spurs pulled that one out in overtime. And then today, the Blazers after dropping the game against uh, the Rockets, came back and beat OKC, another terrible low IQ performance uh, from OKC, who have had a really mixed week themselves. But I want to first go back to the Rockets uh, Blazers game. I'm not sure how much you took quarter this game, Daz, but What impressed me, and this is what we talked about last week with the Rockets, they're winning games on defence now. It's not even a, that's not a a sort of a hot take or anything. That's just a reality now. And they hounded, they were able to switch on everything against Portland and they just hounded Dame and CJ in the bad shots all night, which at times Dame and CJ can hit those shots. But uh, they just did not get any open looks at all in this game. Did you see any of the game? And what do you think with the the, the defensive prowess now of Houston? Where does that raise their ceiling to?
1: Yeah, look, uh, I've been seeing this from, from them. Uh, look, I did see, I saw a bit of this game. I was kind of spitting bullets because it was more, more, I don't know how the league has gone so far where, the let's call it fake news fouls. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was sort of spitting at some of the, th- the calls they, they'd make on James Harden. So I hate that there was refereeing being part of this, but it was, it was ridiculous. Some of the calls I saw in this game. Um, but that that being that that aside, um, you're right. What we saw is Houston just locks in when they need to lock in, right? In that fourth quarter, in particular, you'll see. Um, Baamute, Tucker, Ariza, Capella, Chris Paul—that is four, four scintillating defenders. And James Harden, as we said before, is a competent—you know—certainly competent off-switching defender and a willing rebounder. Um, they are just—they turn it up in crunch time defensively. And it's interesting because it doesn't seem like they play great team defense, right? They don't have this amazing sort of scheme the way you know Pop would put together. Well, we forgot that we didn't even talk about this. Pop played zone the entire second quarter against the Bucks today. When's the last time you saw an NBA team, other than maybe on a possession here or there, go complete zone, right? So they don't do <coughs> sophisticated defensive things in terms of traps or 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 switches. They just have individual, amazing individual lockdown efforts. So like when you see Portland, where all their actions are going through CJ and Dame. They were just, as you said, hounded. They were lit, they were 0 for 12 combined, Dame and CJ were, and they only had nine assists between them. They only committed one turnover, so they were, weren't the guys that were actually coughing the ball up, but they were just under intense pressure. So they were they were offloading the ball to un, unwitting players, and look, to be fair, Amino, Harkless, and Nurkic were really, really efficient. The, Blair, the Blazers just got nothing from their... They didn't get enough. I should say nothing because it was a really, really close game, but they just couldn't hit a big shot in the stre- down the stretch, and um, so yeah, kudos to Houston for that. Does that change them? No. That's what I've been seeing. That's what we've been seeing for Houston for a while now. Is that they they get that look, the game is in the balances, and you and I saw it uh, last week when when Harden basically became second fiddle. For I forgot who the game was. Was that Detroit? I forgot who the game was, but he basically Houston engineered a great Yeah, I think, I think, yep. that's right. That was a really good comeback against Detroit, and that was basically the Chris Paul game. So I got these different ways to win in crunch time. So Harden can just go do Harden stuff and create a ridiculous amount of offense and score. Then you got Chris Paul can run run some sets and you know be point guard and create his own shot and break defenses down and draw fouls and get teams in the bonus. And then they got you know. Tucker and, and Bob Mute and Capella and Ariza who can just lock you down on the wing, and if you've got you know your isolation players trying to create plays, they'll make it really hard to do it. They turn a you know a fifty percent play into a thirty percent play by just getting in your jock. So, man, and and the theme of the night they're healthy. They're they're healthy. They're, they don't even have guys banged up. Well, ryan Anderson might be banged up, but. Have we missed Ryan well, Anderson? Well, Ryan Anderson's
0: yeah. going to be out of the rotation, I think, come playoff time potentially. So, and the yeah. two things I'd say: so, one part you could look at it from Paul and say, "Well, look, Damon Sergei didn't play well from their standards, or certainly didn't shoot the ball well, and they only lost was one possession game. Late and Harden that did some ridiculous shots down the stretch. He was unbelievable in the fourth quarter. Of he did the his fate, is
1: that game. step back. In your face, no room, just rises up. That's where you start. At a certain point, it's ugly. But just like we do with DeMar DeRozan, it's like the guy just—he's got tunnel vision on the hoop. It doesn't matter who's in his way. It's like that's the only thing in the world is is the rim, and it's it's remarkable some of those shots he makes.
0: Yeah, and I don't think, but I don't think from Portland's point of view that they played that badly. I think they, they were didn't forced in the bad no. shots. And, uh, you know, a lot of them were late in the shot clock and things. They just couldn't get open looks. This is just a bad matchup. And I think...
1: Houston forced the other guys to beat them. And the other guys almost did. Aminu, 22 points and eight rebounds and four assists. He only missed four shots. Harkless didn't miss a shot. 17 points um, in 29 minutes. Nurkic, nine for ten from the field, right? So they were... You know, they, they literally couldn't miss. So they were only a possession or two from winning that game. So that's perhaps the difference from Portland, which we saw... You know, we saw again today in a really high-quality game against OKC. It's not just the day. Well, today it was kind of CJ, was unconscious. But, but but they can against, you know, Rockets' best team in the league, they almost beat the best team in the league when their best two players combined for 28. Mm-hmm. They averaged a combined 45. So they were 17 points below their their season average combined and, and almost pulled it out. So you're right. They weren't hanging their heads after that one. A game they could have won. There's some ticky tack fouls which I didn't love, but i you know you not going to blame it on the loss. But um,
0: I think, look, Portland, and that's where I come back to Golden State, and I think if Golden State meets this team without Steph Curry, that that is a very live series now.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's going to defend those two? Right, you know who's going to, and who's going to? You're going to have to put defenders on the court and that suddenly shuts down um, or limits Golden State's offense. If you've got Livingston and what's his name, car playing big minutes, you know, that's...
0: And they've got that's... guys they can throw at Kevin Durant and they can crash the boards and get the offensive rebounds, which can hurt Golden State at times as well. So I like the way they match up with, with Golden State. I think Houston at the moment, no one matches up well on them. And I think, I think they're favourites now to win the title. And I think when they do win it, we're all going to look back and think, why are we even questioning whether this turn could win it or not? I know that oh, Harden yeah. hasn't done it, Paul hasn't done it before, but to me, they're, they're favourites now. And uh, I think we're going to look back on this season and say, yep, that was pretty obvious. Like we did when going state, sort of ran through and, and boot Cleveland, and we always had that chance. Uh, well, they haven't done it before, but uh, when you sort of see them roll through, I, I think Houston are going to... I don't know if they're going to roll through every single round like Golden State did last year to that extent, but uh, I think they're going to. I, I'm willing to say I'm tipping them to win the title now. Does where are you on on the Rockets?
1: Oh, for sure, because of the just because of the injuries, right? Mm. I mean, I, I'm as it sits today, you basically have to write Golden State and Boston off. You have to if you're a betting man. You don't put your money on teams where their superstars are, you know, it's with knee injuries. Just a little tweak or a little jump the right, you know, the wrong way will, would send Kyrie or send Steph into a, you know, into permanency. And Who's the Cleveland, biggest threat to beat them? Cleveland.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It,
1: it's changed that quickly.
0: And last you know, week it, we were like the Raptors are probably favourites. They, they are. they, back look,
1: they the are. Caps. But Kevin Love is back, and now they're. It, it's remarkable that the four or five games he's been back they look like a different squad they look like last year's team they're not going to defend anybody not going to scare anybody on the defensive side you know their their closeouts look like you know a, a a blind man you know walking off a bridge you know just just <laughs> close they don't they don't defend aggressively but that offense with those two mm, mm, mm. yep <laughs>
0: And that but that's the thing where Houston to me have the edge because Houston can keep teams to a hundred points. The Cavs can't. The Cavs are got to beat you hundred and thirty to one hundred and twenty nine. Houston Houston can beat you like that, but they don't have to. Like they can they don't have, have to. A, Harden can go out there and shoot five of seventeen and they can still win. But like they don't have to shoot the lights out because they're bringing it on the defensive end. And I think it's it's a credit actually to Daryl Morey because I agree with you, I don't I don't see anything from D'Antoni to sort of change the way he's coaching from a scheme point of view, where they're doing something out of the ordinary. Um, but I think Maori just putting this team, the ever putting individual uh, defenders that are not even necessarily the team scheme to defend well. They're just they're just that good. Um, and I think and to to credit and and Tucker, people were questioning, and I certainly would have been questioning. How often they can hit the open threes, well, they've been doing it this year. And uh, that's the only question mark for me from Houston. You're going to be asking these players to hit some open shots uh, in the playoffs. And we saw them miss some last year, the likes of Eric Gordon and, and Ryan Anderson. Are they going to be able to hit those shots this year? That's the only question mark I have now on this team. But in terms of the way they're playing, their style of play... Um, the, the commitment they've got to defence, I think they're, they're far and away the favourites at the moment.
1: I think they are. And I wanted to say who's the biggest threat, I guess, in the West. I wanted to say OKC, okay, and then I saw them play today. And I, mean, I like... <laughs> well, I, I don't mean that in, the, in, the, in a sweeping sort of manner, right? What I saw was, look, that team can defend, right? So I go, that that's a team that can give them fits. And if you've got a locked-in Ross and a locked-in Adams and and Putting a you know a locked in Paul George up you know on the wing disrupting you know James Harden and what he's trying to do is like you don't don't count them out but man oh boy um, they just don't have they don't have the firepower we saw Carmelo today he had to get put he was put back in the game in crunch time and had two terrible non-existent defensive rotations they gave up easy buckets to um, to uh, Nurkic and one two um Harkless in the stretch he had a terrible effort trying to box out you know he had had about six feet from the hoop eight seven feet from the hoop and Nurkic still reached around Carmelo to get a ball to, to keep a possession alive on the offensive board and then he missed a three and then made an awful I think you were watching at that point Carmelo made this awful play from the corner tried to do a pump fake drive to the lane drive and dish got himself in the air and just literally just gave the ball to Portland he was an he was a train wreck in the crunch time. Interestingly, whilst I was commenting, I, Russ was actually pulling back. Russ was playing, that's the first time in a while, I'd seen Russ play really in control within himself. And if he needed a bucket, he'd get one. Or if a pick and roll went under and he had a wide open 17-footer, he's just taking, a, as any NBA player should, a wide open you know, 17-footer and hitting him. Russ was playing really well. On the offensive end, it just couldn't. They just couldn't get any defensive stops, and then they couldn't get any offense created.
0: Well, do you anyone. remember Paul George touching the ball in the fourth quarter? Oh, I don't.
1: I did, and you know how we, I did it was the time when Russ was really disinterested. There was a play set where Russ brought the ball up, threw it to I think on whoever it was, um, a Barinas or something, who then did a quick dribble handoff to Paul George, who shot a a touch, uh, you know, a f- 28-footer. They ran a specific play where he took a handoff from the very top of the key with about you know 17 seconds on the shot clock. So it was a completely disinterested ISO play where it was almost like a floppy set where George runs off some screens, comes to the top and shoots a big. It was a long three that he missed. So I mean that's but that's so I wanted to. That's a long winded way of answering the question. I'd love the, the optimized version of OKC um, playing against Houston, but they're they're not. Carmelo less Carmelo is he's done.
0: Well Melo he, he, cost them the game against Celtics. That's a bit harsh on him because he did actually have a good individual game. Yeah. In his best he, games of the season, but he did miss two three throws down the stretch that
1: would have iced it. You cannot be a liability as efficient as Houston is on offense, the way I saw him not defend, you know, Aminu Harkless and Nurkic today, forget it. When you you insert you know Ariza Anderson Capella or a cutting James Harden forget it he's he's it could, just a grotesque liability so you can't play him especially when you're you know already down Robertson on the on the perimeter you know and Abrines is a decent player but he's not a lockdown defender and Jeremy Grant's pretty good well but Jeremy Grant's know. their
0: best option. He's um, their
1: best option for sure, uh, and but, I um, think
0: Donovan at some point needs to take over this team from a leadership point of view and say to Melo, "You're no longer a part of the crunch time lineup. Moving to the bench would probably be the best thing to do, and see if he can produce some uh, uh, some bench some bench scoring for them, like a Shabazz Muhammad. Yeah. Dare I say it in, in Milwaukee? Because I tell you what, yeah. from what I saw today, there's not a heck of a lot of difference between the two of them. Uh, no, Grant.
1: Grant was spectacular today. He was all over the place um, oh the, was,
0: that changed the game when Grant went off, and you, did, you were listening yeah. to the Blazers callers, as I was, and they were celebrating as soon as Grant They're, went off. they think, "Oh, thank God, the grant's off the floor.
1: Yeah, with uh, abrinas and Grant were they were basically plus you know plus fourteen, you know abrinas plus fourteen to nine minutes of Grant pardon me, plus twelve in his nineteen minutes. He was spectacular. he was everywhere then just the air went out of the out of their game. I mean, why Corey Brewer? Corey Brewer is playing all these all these crunch time minutes. I'm like, honest to God. Well, Brewer like Duniv- was shooting
0: 42% for his first 10 games there, and uh, maybe Donovan didn't realize that that was a mirage because he's left him out there, and he missed two free throws. That were key you down did. the stretch as well today. Um, yeah, I'm. The, I, look, I like Corey Brewer as a guy. I think he's been a great NBA player for, for his talent level. I should say, you know, he, the fact that he's been in the NBA for this long is a credit to the sort of character I think he is. But um, yeah. in terms of a guy that you want out there in crunch time, man, he wouldn't be my first choice from from the the choices that you have on that lineup, anyway.
1: No, 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 no. So. um so it was disappointing, to say the least, you know, to see the, I guess the Thunder kind of not be able to execute at the end. It's kind of sad to watch Carmelo age in front of your eyes like that. I mean, he finished tonight 3 of 13 shooting, 6 points, 8 rebounds in 29 minutes. You know, his, he, he looked like he's lost in flexibility. Like you, and I, you sort of commented as well, it looks a bit like, you know, the Tin Woodsman. You know, he's he's lost a step. He's lost some flex. He doesn't, doesn't really aggressively go to the hole anymore. He's basically relegated to a, you know, just a spot up shooter. That's really it. So that team, I think, is coming to a, a realization. You know that they're, and you know, I think they're done. I think you'd be silly not to admit that. You know that that team has um, probably hit their peak, and I don't see I don't see how they're going to find upside in the playoffs.
0: No, I think the Blazers are probably at, at where we sit at the moment their biggest threat in the West, to be honest. Um, and that's not to say that I wouldn't be, you know, stunned if Golden State came out and beat them. Um, but just where we sit at the moment with the uncertainty around Curry, uh and the fact that Golden State are gonna to have to go through Portland to even get to Houston. Um, I I could see the Blazers I mean one more injury for the, the Warriors and they're in big trouble. Um, so I could certainly see the Blazers giving them more problems the way it stands at the moment in the Western Conference Finals.
1: Durant um, would have to play at MVP level, and Clay would have to be be Clay, right? So I still, geez, that's a good question. Full, full strength Blazers against a Curryless Warriors, but everyone else full strength. Who would you pick?
0: I lean Warriors, but yeah. so slightly because of Durant. Um, even though I think they've got some guys they can throw at Durant, but I think it would take so much out of Golden State um, that they're, they're going to be a little bit less than themselves um, come the Houston series. And I just can't see a scenario where Steph Curry doesn't play in the first two rounds and then comes in and just catches fire in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, no players player he is. I just can't see that necessarily happening. So... That's where I get the worry uh, from the Warriors' point of view, but yeah I, yeah, I certainly lean towards the Warriors. I think the home court advantage is a, is a real advantage for them as well.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree.
0: I tend to agree. But so, I look, I'd like to. So, I mean, the Blazers—they're going to be fun come the playoff time, anyway. No matter who they play. And just quickly to to round out. So it's hard to know in the West at the moment how the series is going to end up. But at the moment, it's Portland three, OKC four. New Orleans, who are still staying afloat, still playing some good basketball. Uh, They're five. The Spurs are now down to six. Minnesota seven and Utah eight. And Denver and the Clippers are now one and a half and two games back um, outside the playoffs. So I I feel like that's going to be the eight. But whether they end up in that order or not, I'm not sure. Um, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced about Minnesota's play. We'll see when Jimmy Butler comes back, and I still think Utah will probably leapfrog both the Spurs and and the Bulls um, before all said and done. So I saw the it going: Bulls eight, Spurs seven, Jazz six. I think New Orleans are going to stay in the five, and New Orleans OKC okay, so could be an interesting first round matchup, as well as um, just to see Adams and and AD go at it for no other reason. Uh, and then Portland, uh, Galen State-Houston. But is that, I mean, have you sort of given it much thought as to how you sort of playing out from here?
1: Well, with have loved how, right, the the Jazz have this ridiculous defensive rating since the All-Star break, like 90, 94 or something like that. So, you know, the Jazz have been playing great. You know, they had a bit of a hiccup in Atlanta, but hard not to peg them to continue their run. Uh, I don't love Donovan Mitchell. You don't love a rookie in the playoffs, but I think it's, It'd be hard to bet against Utah uh, making the playoffs. I think Utah's probably in. And then, um, yeah, the the Pels, I I haven't seen the Pels. I didn't watch them this week. so um, It looks like they had a couple of, they got bombed by the Rockets predictably, but beat the Lakers and beat the Pacers um, this week. So they were were two and one. But um, they've got a big game against the Blazers next. That'll be interesting. And then another interesting game, Utah versus Boston, the uncommon opponent. Probably not a very meaningful game for Boston, but a good measuring stick, and again, playing for every every win is something for Utah. It'd be an interesting game to see, you know, a bit of the, you know, the, the, the not homecoming homecoming for Gordon Hayward's team coming mm-hmm. back to Utah this late in the season for a pretty meaningful game. So I reckon you're going to see a very fired up jazz crowd, and that could be a bit of fun, maybe some fireworks to watch that game. But, uh, yeah, the Pels, I guess I'd have to um, pulling up their schedule just real quick to see what they they've got. Um, ooh, yikes! Portland at Cleveland, and then OKC. A couple cupcakes against Memphis and Phoenix, and then at Golden State at Clippers, San Antonio. So not a very easy schedule for the for the Pells. So um, yeah, well, I think that's a very interesting next three games: Portland, Cleveland, Oklahoma City for the Pelicans. People will know what their seasons like after that. If they go zero and three, all bets are off, Daz, If they if they lose those three, yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're still that clustered in the West, aren't they? They're just so so bundled together. They could they could just slip into ninth just that quickly. Well, they that's are... right.
0: If you go on a four five game losing streak, or you go you know uh, two and six a uh, two and four in six or something like that, you can quickly fall back.
1: Yeah, so the, the the then the variable I guess is this Nuggets team. We just they're they're almost them and the Bucks are like probably the maybe the two most infuriating teams of the year, one for each conference. Um sort of I they'd probably get my vote for most I mean most frustrating. Um they've rided the ship, they won a couple games in a row here, but you know, they don't have an easy schedule either. Um Denver, they've got at Philly, at Toronto, at OKC, then they come home to Milwaukee, Indiana, Minnesota at LA Clippers, Portland at Minnesota. It's the only team that not in the playoffs is the Clippers and who's been playing some great basketball. They look like they've got the hardest schedule of everyone in that Western Conference race. Now that I take a look at it, that's yeah, that this has. is this is Denver. That's brutal. That's just every team playing for seating. So every night's gonna be like a playoff atmosphere. So look if they come through it Right, maybe they do something special. Like go, you know, whatever, go six and three, which would be pretty impressive. I think they're, you know, they're probably in the playoffs, but that would be a tough, tough ask. Yeah, so, as so- I said,
0: I think they're done. I think the Clippers are, t- are done as well. Uh, I just think they're both too far back. Uh, Minnesota are probably the team I'm watching for to potentially uh, fall out. I think the Spurs probably shored their up there. Um, Half spot up with the, uh, winning six games in a row in that homestand that they had, that they really had to pull out. And obviously, you know, it's been a bit of luck involved too for some of these teams playing a hobbled Golden State at just the right time as well, um, when some of the other teams are probably had to play a Golden State, yeah, uh, on uh, on on all cylinders, um, which has been been difficult. Look, the most frustrating team for me though, as if you want to talk about frustrating teams um, across the league, been the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and I bring them up because obviously one of the big performances of the week was Dwight Howard. Uh, you talk about frustrating players. 30-30 uh, and 30 performance. Who was it against? Do you remember who was it against? It was one of the tanking teams.
1: Nets, I think it was. was it? I don't... Yeah, it was I the Nets. That's right. I think it
0: was, it was the Nets, Nets, yeah. Yeah, so uh, a pretty impressive performance, but uh, what's been a pretty disappointing season yet again in Charlotte.
1: Yes, you know, Kemba's a, you know, he didn't go accidentally on the trading block for nothing, and surprise, surprise, a Dwight Howard team, and Dwight Howard usage is up, and they they lose a lot of basketball games. Um, Malik Monk basically disappeared, fell fell out of the rotation. You know, it's not like he's hurt. You know, still giving heavy minutes to guys like, you know, Arvin Williams, who's just, you know, just kind of an ordinary great guy, just sort of an ordinary talent. And then, yeah, look, you know, losing Zeller, I know that was a, as an early year sort of, sort of comment, but the terrible Walker without it's a terrible Walker, terrible record without Cody, Zer, Cody Zeller. Yeah, but Cody Zeller is
0: becoming a bit like Gallinari, isn't he? I mean, he's always injured, so we can't we can't any longer be surprised about that or say, "Gee, when C- Cody Zeller's fit, they're going to be good," because he's always injured.
1: No, I'm saying I'm saying it, it's like a it's a disappointment, right? they you know, it's disappointing. We got thirty games out of him this year and Monk Monk's been terrible in his you know, not terrible, he just hasn't really shown us much. You know, in his he's played about fifty games and Frank Kaminsky, you know, is, you know, a national player of the year and this, you know, very, very skilled big man. I think we're looking at, you know, has he kind of hit a ceiling, you know, he's gonna be like a twelve and five kind of player, like a nice rotation player. But again, the guy we took in lieu of you know the the hall of draft picks that Boston would have given them so just disappointing roster construction disappointing you know development of their lottery picks like Kaminsky and, and Monk um you know but the shi- shining bright star would be Michael Carter Williams who stayed healthy for 52 games you know <laughs> you know Marcus Pate you know anyway like it's too hard to be disappointed in Charlotte because it's just I didn't have a. I probably had pretty low expectations. I oh, think I think
0: I had them that's... in the playoffs. So I'm not sure if you had them in the playoffs. I thought we both. I had probably them in the did. Playoffs. I probably um, did. Yeah, what's what's yeah. Kemba's uh, market? I mean, if you're the Knicks, for example, what what would you offer for Kemba Walker?
1: Was well, on a pretty attractive contract, right? That's the other thing. Um, I don't know. Let's see. What's he worth? Um, Tim Hardaway plus a unprotected lottery pick plus. I don't know. It's hard to hard to say what he's worth. Kemba Walker's a hell of a player. I don't know how many teams in the, this NBA wouldn't want a guy who can shoot from anywhere on the court and almost forty percent from three and off the bounce as well, right? So he's a he's a coveted player. He's uh he didn't did he make the All did he make the All Star team? Uh, not this year. He made it last year. He missed it this year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, oh look, he he's, he puts up numbers and he's obviously the best player on, on that roster. Uh, but I will be interested to see in the off season what the market is for Kemba Walker um, on a reasonable contract, but obviously going to have to get paid at some stage as well. So, uh, and, and New York could could be an interesting fit there. Um, again, that, that brings back I guess the into into focus the shame that uh, the Porzingis injury ended up being in New York because that obviously affects some decisions like that that they may be looking to make in the off season.
1: Yeah, look, maybe a bit premature, you know. I think there'd be there'd be a lot of teams in on the on the Kemba, on the Kemba sweepstakes if he if we genuinely went into um, you know, went up for sale. But um, maybe a bit too soon. But he's you know said all the right things and he's you know wants to stay there and all the rest of that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see with with Kemba.
0: Alright, Daz, we might leave it there for tonight. Last couple of things is uh, the NBL, the Australian Grand Final. I'm not sure if you've caught any of this yet, I've been watching it. It's uh, 2 all now between Adelaide and Melbourne. There was actually a really good uh, game four yesterday. Melbourne came back from 24 down at half time to nearly uh, steal the game in the fourth quarter. Adelaide held on, and uh, they're forced a. Deciding match in Melbourne. That's going to be played this Friday night. So that's something to watch out for uh, if you want to watch some good Australian hoops. And the uh, the final four is now set as well as a Villanova, Kansas, Michigan, and uh, the team from Chicago's name escapes me, but they're, they're the big Hiola. upset. Hoyola. Oh, that's right. Hoyola, Chicago, isn't it? That's at the call.
1: That's right. Catholic yeah. school. That's right.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. Never pretty heard of remarkable. college at all. Well
1: it's a pretty big school actually, just not famous for their um, you know, obviously not a not an elite a uh, uh sports programs there. But yeah, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. But no, I haven't seen I'm gonna tune into the NBL. Let's see. Game five is it's coming up, right? That's yeah, it's on it's Friday. On the, it's on the SBS. So Friday.
0: On, um, yeah, that's on right. Through air. So yeah. you can watch that. And uh, I look, I, to be honest, I haven't watched any of March Madness at all. I've just been following the results. Um, I did have Michigan winning it, so my bracket is still alive, uh, at least from the point of view of who's going to win. <laughs> <the title. laughs> you really?
1: So did I. That was my one pick to you. i I'd be honest, I didn't even know they were still alive until you just mentioned it. I knew I known Leola was in, but I didn't even know Michigan had made it through. But I haven't seen any games, so that's just that's just blind luck. So I'm not going to be bragging too much about it if Michigan wins at all. But uh, no, that's right. Um, so, yeah,
0: no, that yeah, we'll we'll probably have a chat about that next week, though, and we'll see. Um, hopefully, I, I'd like to see Michigan uh, finally break the duck and, and win. Have they yeah. ever won the title? I don't think they've ever won the title, have they? Yeah,
1: today. I think they did with Ramil Robinson back in the day.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: and Glenn Rice. I'm pretty sure they did, but yeah, I, yeah that
0: might have been. Yeah, you, I remember so. they.
1: I remember the confetti falling down. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So Glenn, Glenn Rice was a special, special college player. Oh, he was a pretty good NBA player too. Yeah, but, he was too, wasn't he? he? Was like a kind of. A not quite Kevin Durant level kind of player, just that could rise up and shoot over everyone. He was six eight or six nine, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, Bill
0: Simmons mentioned him last week and he just said he was a he was one of them guys that would just go on these tears for like ten to fifteen game stretches and then you yeah. just go back and, and be the 20-point-a-night guy. But then he'd he just have those stretches where he'd be 30 points a night and unguardable. So, uh, But look, so we'll, we'll look at that, Daz. We'll look at the NBL. Uh, obviously, we'll talk next week and see if the buff picture is a little bit clearer uh, and see what other storylines, and hopefully we see uh, a couple of other players back, including a uh, certain small forward in San Antonio that might make an appearance <laughs> at some stage we're hoping this season. So, And I'm glad we avoided uh, talking about that tonight. So we'll see if we, we've got any more news on that, Des, but anything like to add or any games you're looking forward to in the week?
1: A lot of interesting games. I think it's a really fascinating week. Um, so the um, we got the – who's tomorrow? That's the fun uh, Denver at Philly. That'll be a fun game tomorrow. And then poor Denver, two nights, second night of a back-to-back. So they go on the road and play Toronto the next night. Um, then you got San Antonio at Washington again, really important playoff seeding. You know, East-West battle continues. San Antonio continuing the road trip. Um, Cleveland, Miami. You know, it's a game. You know, two playoff teams at Miami. You know, uh, LeBron versus D Wade again. So there'll be some high fives and some hugs. And then you know, that's a pretty important game for both teams as well. And Portland, New Orleans that same night. So the next two days are kind of chalk a block. Um, mm-hmm. And then Bucks at Bucks at Clippers again, more. I still put the Clippers as an outside chance. They're probably the least likely of teams. But, you know, if I'm a Ladbrokes better, I've got my money on the Clippers in that game, the way they've been playing. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting games the next couple of days just alone. Um, Yeah, good good week coming up, I think, Daz. And let's see. Let's see what happens with um, with Jimmy Butler and Durant and some of these injuries and Kawhi. And, Mm. yeah, that's uh, start to take shape, I guess. So Playoff we're in rosters. next
0: week. Next week we'll probably be talking about the raps Warriors uh, NBA Finals. The way this season's been going,
1: yeah, it'll be interesting. Can Cleveland consolidate this? You know, the sort of this um, newfound, you know, aggression that they found, and we'll we'll see if they can 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 back it up. Look, they got some cupcakes against you know Charlotte and stuff this week, so they should be feeling pretty good about themselves this time next week. So we'll yeah. see.
0: Alright that's good to talk to you mate we'll, we'll touch base again next week.
1: Okay pal see oh. ya.
0: Thanks. Man.